Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 52 called How Lovely the Mountain Is. Have you ever seen an animal that's in one of those little cages for a long time and the door gets open and the animal will not go out? And sometimes that happens with human beings that have been in prison so long they, they want to get rearrested because they don't know how to live in freedom. Well, that's what God is saying. You've been in this captivity for so long. Do you want to get well, John 5? Do you want to be free? The door is open. I am making a way for you, but I want you to arise. I want you to loose the chains. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing, verse 3, Isaiah 52, and you will be redeemed without money. Now, God is starting to hint towards this deliverance, this freedom that he will bring. But he says, you were sold for nothing. That's a metaphor for passing from uh, uh, ownership, one owner to another. And you could think of the captivity there. And notice you, are, you will be redeemed, notice, without money. It doesn't say without cost. It says without money. And so Isaiah is beginning to hint at this redemption, but he's saying when you will be redeemed, it will not be with a price. Now, when when redemption happened throughout the Bible, there was always an associated cost with that redemption. If I, as a family member, wanted to redeem something, there was a cost to that. And God will pay, pay a great price for the redemption of his people, but that price will be laid out in the very next chapter that we will study, which is the famous chapter of Isaiah 53. And we will see the astonishing price of redemption, which comes through the servant of Yahweh, Jesus Christ. We were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from our aimless conduct inherited from our forefathers, but we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. The price was very high, but the price is not money. The price is blood. More specifically, the price is the death of the Son of God. That's how ultimate deliverance will come. And that's why there's a much deeper picture here than just 70 years in in captivity, as, as awful as that is, and being set free. Because you can be a person that tr- changes from Babylon to Jerusalem. You can be a person that was once a captive and now experiences a level of freedom, but you can still be in chains spiritually. You can live in America, have a granddaddy that's a pastor. You know, grow up as a so-called Christian, but not be free because freedom comes in relationship. Amen? With Jesus Christ. There's no other way to gain the freedom. There's no religious exercise that you can do. There's not a list of 20 uh, things that, you know, you don't do and 20 things you do that get you into heaven. No, you've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ, therefore glorify God with your body. For thus says the Lord God, 52.4, my people went down at the first into Egypt. These are the captivities that Isaiah had seen or had had known of. First into Egypt, that first um, slavery, 400 years there in bondage to reside there. Then after Egypt came the Assyrian oppression, 
when they came in 722 BC and they took the northern kingdom. Now, therefore, what do I have here, declares the Lord. Seeing that my people have been taken away without a cause, this has been the pattern of Israel, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, the Medo-Persian Empire, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, who sprung from the Grecian Empire. At the time Jesus walked the earth, the Roman Empire was dominating Israel. In the early 1900s, it was Nazi Germany taking the Jews to the concentration camps. And you begin to say, what is the reason why these people have been persecuted in such an awful way? Why this sliver of land in the Middle East that was unoccupied, at least at the time that Hitler was doing his nonsense with the Jews. They weren't even in the land. Yet he still felt this urgency to wipe them out along with many others. Why? The only thing that makes sense uh, for us who know the Bible is that this day are the people of God from which comes the Messiah of God and Satan's been against them from day one. And from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would come the Redeemer. And so he says, they take my people without a cause. Jesus said they hated me without a cause. Look at verse five, middle of the verse. Again, the Lord declares those who rule over them how. The NIV says they mock. And my name is continually blasphemed all day long. New King James says those who rule over them make them wail. And then the ESV says their rulers wail, declares the Lord. And continually, all the day, my name is despised. When one people group would dominate another people group, beat them in a war or whatever, the ancients used to say, as one of the commercials used to say about dogs, I think, my dog's better than your dog. Anybody remember that commercial? Anyway, they would say, my God's better than your God. And they would determine that by war. So they would say, if we beat you in a war, guess what? Our God's stronger than your God. And as the people were in captivity, you know what the captors were saying? They were mocking them. Saying, oh yeah, great God of Israel, you know, the desert God. We've heard of his exploits. Yeah, he's real tough. Whack. <laughs> and when Jesus is on the cross, they say to him, if you're the son of God, come down from the cross and we will believe in you. Now, if you were up on the cross, what would you do at that moment? I'd have fried the whole landscape. I wouldn't have been saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? That is the patience of God, the mercy of God. For the name of God, Paul quotes this in Romans 2.24, is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. Why was God's name blasphemed? Sometimes it's because his people don't act like his people. Because if you think of Assyria and you think of Babylon, Assyria and Babylon were both tools in the hands of God for what purpose? God was disciplining his children through those foreign nations. It's not that those nations were anything great or godly. God just simply made them a tool. But when the people of God were under that oppression, when God had used that foreign dominating power as a tool, you know what that power said of the people of God and their God? He must be weak. The whole time, God was the one pushing the buttons, but their conclusion was, he's nothing. 
He can't be this great because look, we've dominated those people. And I wonder sometimes as us, as the people of God, you know, we get ourselves in positions where we get in trouble. And what do you think happens when people look at us? Sometimes they look at our behavior. Sometimes they look at where we've ended up and they say, you're supposed to be a Christian? Your God's supposed to be this great delivering God? Done a lot for you, huh? Right? And it gives the Gentiles sometimes, the unbelievers in this case, a reason to mock. Therefore, my people, God says, the the news is good though. My people shall know my name. Therefore, verse six, in that day, I am the one who is speaking. He's not gonna do it through a mediator like in the Exodus deliverance through Moses. I'm gonna be the one that's speaking and I'm gonna say, in that day, here I am. Now, lots of times in the, when God called someone in the Old Testament, they would respond, here I am, or here I am, send me. Earlier we saw in the book of Isaiah. But now the people have been calling, and now God says, here I am. I'm right here. And when Jesus came to the world, and he was walking around, he said, I, the one that am speaking to you, am he. Before Abraham was, I am. And whenever he made a claim to deity, you know what the response of the religious leaders was? Let's kill him. That's blasphemy. And Jesus was saying, no, I'm here. The angels announced his coming. The father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was clear who he was. He said, I am the Messiah. He said, I am. And my people will know in that day. And I think here we could see a future day as well when the good news will be that God will be in the midst of his people. Here I am. They won't be looking around wondering, does God know what I'm going through? Does God care? Because that was the indictment of Zion, right? Where is God? And God says, I'm here. And look at verse seven. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces, notice, salvation, and says to Zion, the people of God, who've been asking these questions, the good news will be your God reigns. Now, many times, um, this is, I think Isaiah is the most often quoted prophetic book. Go to Romans 10. Paul quotes this in one of the most famous um, salvation texts that we have, Romans chapter 10. And here's what Paul says. Romans 10, 13. He says, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then, Romans 10, 14, shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? One version says, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? 15, Romans 10. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet, and it's written in Isaiah 52, of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Isaiah 52, 7 is the the verse that is quoted And the imagery is in wartime. They didn't have cell phones. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into is the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade. Even if we threw out having to land on when does life begin, when a majority of those abortions happen, right, is in between generally six to 12 weeks. And you know what I mean? There's a heartbeat. There's everything's pretty much intact. The only thing that child or that baby needs is time and nutrition. It's fully formed. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. He says, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then, Romans 10, 14, shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? One version says, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? 15, Romans 10. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet, and it's written in Isaiah 52, of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Isaiah 52, 7 is the the verse that is quoted, and the imagery is in wartime. They didn't have cell phones, but you got all this, this technology now. You can send an email in a moment. Do some of you get annoyed when people don't respond to your emails or texts right away? I'm a slow responder to texts sometimes. Sometimes I text people the next day. And as soon as I text them, it's come right back to me. You know, it's like they were waiting right there. And as soon as they saw that text, they, do you watch the young people now? I sat behind a young person at graduation with uh, their little texting device. I can't believe how fast their fingers are. It used to be that we'd make fun of the video games. You know, you get a lot of exercise with those thumbs. Now it's the texting. You know, you watch them. And I'm doing the hunt and peck thing. I will call you on the phone later. Right? Well, in ancient times, <laughs> all the old people said, hey, man, all the young people say, what? We want better technology. In the ancient times, they didn't have any way to communicate except by a courier. So what they would do is they would send a runner. And what would happen is there would be a waiting watchman who would then bring the news to the leader or the king. And so the runner would go and he'd go to where the war was being fought. He'd get news of the battle, casualties, are we winning, are we losing? And he'd begin to run back to the base camp. And, you know, if you've known somebody long enough, have you ever noticed that 
You know somebody's body type and, and how they move? You could see someone from a distance, and if you know them well, you know it's them. Just by the way they walk, just by the way they carry themselves. You know what I'm talking about? And you can also tell by the way someone's running whether things are good or bad. If the courier was running with his head up and kind of a little, you know, uh, not a hitch in his giddy up, but, you know, a little little sprint in his, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, you know, the, the watchman would say, I think the news is good. That looks like so-and-so, and his head is up, and I think he's going to bring us good news. But if the person came running like this, the news was probably bad. How beautiful are the feet on the mountains of those who bring glad tidings of good things. And all of a sudden, Paul begins to show us that the message of Isaiah, of ultimate deliverance from the captivity of sin and death and prison and our ultimate foe, uh, Satan, he has been defeated. And the ones bringing the message of hope on the mountains, the beautiful feet are the church. We shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and we go to people with our head up, with a little, you know, uh, strength in our step and we say to people, the Lord reigns. Salvation has been won. The prison doors are open. He has won the battle on the cross. He's defeated sin, Satan and death. You can be free and we offer freedom. And how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good news. Did you see the video of Chad? See, one night when he was a man with, you know, all kinds of a a crazy lifestyle, took one connection by the Holy Spirit for him to say, you know what? What have I been doing? That's me. Sin has been robbing me, right? His eyes were blinded and a messenger of the gospel, in this case, Greg Laurie, but could be any of us, brought the good news His feet were lovely on the mountains and he brought the good tidings. He said, the war has been won. You can enter into the freedom of Jesus Christ. That's the message that you and I preach. Why do we hold back? Why are we afraid to walk across the street and tell somebody that message? We should be like the runner. Can't wait to get to the next person to tell the good news. The war has been won. We have defeated the foe. The news is good because the gospel literally means the good news. I work with a woman who some years ago seemed to be rather close to the gospel. And I was getting some opportunities with different coworkers. They all knew I was the pastor at the company, but, but God would open up opportunities. And one day I had this woman um, in my close proximity. We we're, were working with this company and she was a customer service person and And I just, I was living my life before people, but I was also sharing with people. And I began to articulate the gospel to her. And she said, you know, me and my husband, we used to go to church and we had this bad, awful experience at a church. And I said, I am so sorry that that happened to you. But you know what? Jesus Christ is the answer. And I just preached to her. That day, nothing happened. I left that company and one of the reports I got later, I went back to visit the company, was from this coworker who pulled me aside and told me, Michael, my husband and I are going back to church and we're serving in the church. And 
You know, Jesus has restored us. And sometimes what we have when we're running is we got other people who are on the side. They used to be running. But they got tired. They got wounded. And they're laying there. And they, they're not bringing the message. They've been sidelined. And then they see you come sprinting by. Like, what's with him? What's he been eating? Where's he been training, right? And you're like, come on, let's go, right? And sometimes it takes a person who's got that energy of the spirit to get you re-fired up. See, we're on a holy pilgrimage. Let's go back to Isaiah 52 and we'll finish. My question to you is, are you bringing the good news to others? Because we are the messengers of this great victory. 52.8 says, the message is your God reigns, and then he says, listen, you watchmen. Remember the watchman would wait for the coming messenger and look for him as he came running from a distance. And it's as though he's personified here, the runner or the messenger. He says, listen, you watchmen, lift up their voices. They shout joyfully together. The news has come for they will see with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion, the good news. And then it will spread to a choir in Jerusalem. Break forth, verse nine. Shout joyfully together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. Notice, he has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. This is the only place I know of where it says the Lord bared his, his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. He made known his strength is the idea. He revealed it that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God. You've been listening to How Lovely the Mountains, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 52. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. And with our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael Lance serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids. If you live outside Southern California, you can still benefit from the Living Truth app because you can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, If you want freedom, freedom comes from knowing and abiding in the Word of God. And the Lord wants to grant you that freedom. And the way that He says He makes you free is that you abide in His Word. You can experience more and more freedom the closer you get to the one who provides freedom. You know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom, and you know, freedom does uh, come more and more. We, we become more free from old attitudes, old sin patterns, the more we get to know the king of freedom. And uh, that's really how it works. Maybe you felt uh, like you've been trying to get there. Maybe you've been trying to do it in the strength of your own flesh. I don't know. 
But the Lord's desire for you is for true freedom. That's for sure. Now, here we are in the country of the United States, and one of the hot topics going on is the leak of the Roe v. Wade, I guess we'd say right now, potential decision uh, as it stands as I record right now. We wanted to deal with this topic. I know it's a uh, topic that divides a lot of people. There's a lot of emotion around it, but we're going to deal with this Roe v. Wade topic, and it's the next mini-sode on A Step Closer. So we've been talking to you about another uh, layer of this ministry where we're providing you some additional uh, insight into topics that may be going on in the culture. How do we get a biblical perspective? We have a great testimony from a sister in the Lord. Her name is Angie. Not only is she honest about her past and the wounds that go with it, but she also is in ministry, ministering to those who've gone through uh, or experienced an abortion. And uh, that's on a step closer. It's accessible through our podcast ministry. Just search for Walk in Truth. You can get the Step Closer podcast as we deal with the issue of Roe v. Wade and the whole abortion issue. We'll try to do it with truth and grace and uh, provide some insights and some hope for all of us. So check it out today. That is a step closer on the Walk in Truth podcast. This is Pastor Michael. We'll catch you right here tomorrow. And don't forget, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 52 called How Lovely the Mountains. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.